1: Football Friday here on Birds 365,
2: a failure of a football Friday, because that's what last night's game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers turned out to be. We will break it down for you as best we can. Your Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen, Jody McDonald. I can absolutely guarantee you that I got more sleep than my partner did. Uh, What time would you suggest the head actually hit the pillow last night, McMullen?
3: Right around four AM.
2: Oh Jesus.
3: Right four. around four
2: four AM. I, I I oftentimes complain to no one in particular. I complain to my TV more than anybody else. Uh that if I'm on the air on WIP or CBS uh till two, I usually fall asleep somewhere between two thirty and two forty-five. Because you gotta wind down after show's over and done with. Um, so I don't fall immediately asleep. So I'm turning it around in like three hours. You're turning it around in two. Yeah. What time I, do you get it, back up to do the show?
3: It, uh, about, uh, that's a good question. I'm you know, I'm going to be stumbling today. Uh, about six 30. So, yeah, yeah. I, at, 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 uh, at some point, you know, I said, should I just power through and stay up the whole time? But, uh, I did get a couple winks, uh, but yeah, uh, what what can you do? Fuck
2: like the
4: Eagles. What can I've you do? I've only
2: tried that once. We are officially, you know, I write it down for every show. Show number 135. This is the 135th episode of Birds 365. I did that once. I just uh, wasn't tired. All I tired at 2 o'clock. I said, I got stuff on the DVR I could watch. Let me just stay straight up. And I made it through the show, but man, did I crash when it was
5: over.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, Hopefully you get a nap in this afternoon, because Well, you got to hear from Nick Sirianni on the day after stuff. Um, John, I don't, I don't even know where to start. Um, Let's start at the end of the final score. 26. uh, They end up losing by 28, 22, 28, 22. Uh, I could put on my Eagle colored glasses and tell you that, Hey, they only lost by six points. To defending NFL champions, Super Bowl champions, a Super Bowl winning coaching staff, the greatest quarterback of all time, uh, a roster that is so <laughs> lopsided, better than the Philadelphia Eagles. Take the only lose by six points. That says something. But you and I have both been watching football to too, for too long to know that there's more that goes into that in analysis. They were dominated last. The only place that they weren't dominated was on the scoreboard at the end of the game.
3: Yeah, completely dominated. In fact, you know, the one thing I do give the Eagles credit for is they seem to have this ability they did not Carolina and got over the hump. They were dominated early in that game as well, and they were able to persevere and get back in the game. They cut it to one score, went for two, which I thought was the right thing to do as well, put some pressure and on, 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 I was going to say the Patriots, the Bucks, um, uh, And, but, you know, Tom Brady doesn't care about that. And he just goes methodically down the field. They could have pushed it in if they wanted to at the end of the game. Right. They didn't. This is why I don't bet on football. It would drive me crazy because if you, if you had the Bucks, they made that poor decision. They gave the Eagles a little bit of life on the fourth and three. Um, gave them field position. The Eagles were able to go down and score. Um, so a lot of different things made it a lot closer than it seemed. But they had the football for two-thirds of the game. I said on the Jacob Media postgame show, my my favorite stat in this game, and i got to bring up the defense, is Jody. The, the Eagles had a combined 78 tackles in this game. 78 tackles, and you say, "Well, all right, what what does that mean?" The Bucks had a combined 37 tackles because <laughs> they were never on the field, and and the Eagles' defense was always on the field. I they were completely, completely dominated. The only reason you can't get to the defense and criticize them, and and well, two reasons: one, it is Tom Brady, but Two, the offense was so bad, so bad, and you know it is a chicken and the egg type situation. I know a lot of people are killing Nick Sirianni. A lot of people, I don't. I, some people are killing Jalen Hurts. You know who's the problem? Who's not the problem? Well, it's a little bit of both. But if you're going to force me into a corner. this quarterback's got some issues more than the head coach. You to put quarterback honest. ahead of head coach. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I was surprised that the I I was very surprised because I asked Nick this question at the press conference, and basically, is there too much off schedule offense uh, for this team right now? And I expected to get uh, a typical Nick Sirianni offense, which was, you know, dancing around it saying. We got to put people in better position. We got some of that. Bottom line is, he said, "Yes, yes, it's got to stop. Got to stop." Here's the thing about off schedule: it's great. There's nothing wrong. It's phenomenal when it works. It works, right? But it's not foundational. You can't count on it. By its very nature, it's inconsistent. You can't practice it. You can't. You can't say, "Well, we're going to have that this week." you got to be able to lean on certain things offensively, and people constantly say, what is the structure of this offense? What is the identity of this offense? Well, they don't have an identity, and they're blaming it on the head coach. From my perspective, I see the head coach protecting the young quarterback And they don't have a foundation of this offense. They don't have an identity of this offense because of the quarterback, not the head coach. And
2: And here's—I know
3: people don't want to hear that.
2: Here's the reason why. uh, And and both were bad last night. I'm not overtly defending either the head coach in the play calling and or the quarterback. Neither one of them were good last night. Um, But here's the one bit of slack I'll cut them both. the revamped offensive line did a good enough yeah. job in Carolina last week. They were up against a better <laughs> defense last night, and all of a My sudden story. you realize that, oh, shoot, these guys are backups, and they're playing like yeah. backups. Your boy, Andre Dillard, seemed like he was uh, spending That's time destroyed. in yeah. Shaylin Hirsch's lap every <clears> single play. He was getting pushed back into him. Um, so I'm going to go back to the tape again. I watched a game live last night. I, uh, yeah, I gotta, I have my... I'm, the, I'm the same
3: way. I got to go through the tape. You're right. right. I'll be the first to say, you know, Jody, I said Andre Dillard got lucky. Uh, no DeMarcus Lawrence in Dallas. No Frank Clark with Kansas City. Now, Carolina, Brian Burns is a good player, but he's undersized. He was able to take it. Shaq Barrett, anybody who watched the Super Bowl knows what that guy can do to a game. And you have Jason Pierre-Paul, and and they flip him, and and they do a lot of different things. There's where I'm going to credit Jalen Hurts. I mean, they should have had about eight sacks. Right. His his escapability uh, was able to do some different things. So I hear you. The offensive line uh, uh, was not uh, great, to say the least. Um, Jalen was running for his life. But here's the thing, Jody. And, and you know there are certain quarterbacks who 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 move around. Aaron Rodgers would be the most notable example, and they have a pocket presence, and the, and the eyes are always downfield. When he goes, man, it's over. He's going to run, or he's got one read, and that's it. And, again, it's got to get better. And how does it get better? I don't know, probably playing time. But I go back to this philosophical discussion, and that's the bigger part of this to me. Jeffrey Laurie don't want this, man. This is a placeholder season. And here's the problem. As we know, we've talked a little bit about college football. Nobody, you know, Spencer Rattler's getting benched in Oklahoma. Nobody's uh, standing out. Are the Eagles going to talk themselves into a young quarterback? I don't know. we got a long way to go when it comes to college football and who rises up and who doesn't and all that kind of stuff. But they don't want this offense. They do not want this offense, and it's not Nick Sirianni's offense. He doesn't want this offense. Trust me, he doesn't want this offense. So this is a bigger philosophical discussion.
2: I I agree with everything you just said, Um, but as far as last night's performance goes, uh, yeah, I'm going to cut the quarterback some slack. He wasn't good. Don't get me wrong. His quarterback r- 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 passing rating was 55. You, you can't win in the National Football League with a 55 yeah. quarterback rating, but he was running for his life.
5: They, yeah, they was, had,
2: I've, I've been, I'm going to go back. I'm going to mark every single play because, yeah. again, I've read some of you guys who have already written about, it, talked about it, the Eagles close game show, blah, 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 blah. The fact that he had to go off schedule, it wasn't like, Oh my God! He took three steps back. Boom! He moves the pocket. He immediately runs out. No, he had to, because somebody was in his face on almost every single play. The Eagles offensive no, line was I, a I that you. good defense. Look,
3: I agree with you. And I do a stock market report after every game for Sports Illustrated, and I was really, you know, banging my head trying to figure out, okay, what's a positive? I just wanted a couple positives from this game. And one of them was Jalen Hurts' escapability. I gave him credit for that. I give him tremendous credit. Like I said, they should have had eight sacks or something of that nature. I give him tremendous credit for that. Um, But then you have to be honest about the other kind of stuff. And we always thought, even Tom Brady, we, we saw the greatest of all time. When you see Tom Brady lose in Super Bowls, well, he's only lost three. We know one. He lost the shootout. He was great in that game, except when he was trying to play receiver. Um, and and then the two games against the New York Giants and what affected him, uh, press, pressure right up the middle, uh, making him uncomfortable. So when quarterbacks get uncomfortable, obviously, they play poorly. Jalen Hurts was very uncomfortable. He played very poorly. I'm just saying, no doubt about it the offensive line did not play well. He's got to find a way to turn that. I'm not saying to turn that, what was it you said, 55? I'm not saying turn it into 120, but he's got to turn that 55 into 80 or, oh, it, yeah. you know, somewhere which is below average that isn't god-awful. That's, that's where I, I, I have a bit of a disconnect.
2: And uh, I haven't tuned into to uh, uh, WIP or any other outlet I'm seeing the responses on our stream here. And people I, are taking... I, I would say it's mainly coach. Uh, they're blaming the coach. I, I would but... say more so the coach and the, than, the, than the quarterback. And I think they both deserve blame. Uh, both of them had uh, lousy games last night. But I do want to put the rest of the offensive blind in there because I thought they were god awful last night too. Um, here's what I'll be interested in seeing as the week goes on, and I did see a clip from Sirianni's post game press conference where he talked about self scouting. Well, now that we have the extra week, we've got self scouting. This is one of the areas where the NFL uh, just bothers the snot out of me, and I'll give you your chance to talk about the mm. over legislated product no. that is the NFL in just a second. I know you want to go there, and you rightfully can go there uh with the last night's game, but. The fact that the Eagles don't get a chance to practice, that this downtime is just handed to the players on a silver platter because it's been collectively bargained that way, because every time they collectively bargain, and this is now a 10-year deal, this is year two of a 10-year deal, Uh, the owners have to give something. So they just always give away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Practice time. We don't really need to practice. We don't really need the players in the building. Yeah. We don't really want to give the coaches more time to work with the practice and a bad team like the Eagles, a chance to get better. We want to keep every dollar in our pockets. So if we've got to give something, we'll give the players their lives, that they don't really have to dedicate themselves to football. They don't have to do what it takes when a season is going in the wrong direction to get it corrected by going in and working that many more hours at practice. Oh no. Every minute of workout is legislated and the players have just over (laughs) years got more downtime, more downtime, more downtime. I hope they're enjoying it because they don't get the chance to when things are going wrong work on them and maybe a little effort and maybe a little bit more time spent together on the practice field could actually improve the team. Oh, no, not in the NFL in 2021. Uh, Eagles, enjoy your downtime off last night's loss.
3: You're right. You're right. In the old school days, you come off a performance like that, a coach would say, you know what? Nope. You're coming back in. We're going to work. We're going to work over the weekend. We're going to do that. Obviously, you give them a day off or something of that nature. No, you're not allowed to do that anymore. Um, and you're right. I mean, they that that's what they give away. You have to, in a negotiation, CBA, you got to give something to get something. They don't care about the preparation. They don't care about the product. Um, and guess why, Jody? Because they know nobody's turning off the TV. Same thing I said about John Gruden, throwing him under the bus, uh, obfuscating the Washington football team investigation. You can go off the field, you can go on the field. The over-legislation, the taunting penalty to Janard Avery, um, which is ridiculous, but also uh, that's what they're calling this year. So uh, from from what they asked the officials to do, the officials did what they were supposed to do. It all stinks to high heaven but you're not turning on and i'm not talking about you i'm telling the viewers Judy, you're not turning off the tv so guess what they don't care they're not going to change it's not going to get better live with it or don't live with it that's their that's their mentality and by the way they're right they're right they're 100% right there's been no indication that anybody uh uh is 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 upset about to turn off, to not buy the merchandise, to do those types of things. And that's the only thing they will ever listen to, and it ain't happening. Right. It's not going to happen
2: in my lifetime, I'll tell you that. If they hear the criticism uh, being leveled on birds 365, here's their collective response. Yeah, who cares? Okay. I've, I've said it. <laughs> Thanks for commenting. Jody we'll get I've back been, to life now the way we want to run our lives. Jody, I've been
3: talking for 20 years about how this league is so over-legislated, how it's so ridiculously um, – I got – you know, uh, Terry McCauley, who was a, obviously a great uh, official, a, a great uh, Super Bowl referee. Uh, I think NBC, I think I get mixed up, but he's the rules analyst for NBC. I think he still is. I, I remember watching a game where even he didn't know the rule. And I'm saying to myself, well, if Terry McCauley doesn't know the rule, what is, what, you think a fan is going to know the rule? And and they don't get it. And they scratch their head and they're like, and I, I've always explained it like this, Jody. And I'm, I've been on a couple other radio shows and they raise their eyebrow. I always like saying something that makes people think. The very existence of rules analysts tells you you have a problem. You don't need – now, because TV is the way it is, you've seen Steve Jabby do it in basketball. You've seen some people do it in baseball. But you don't need it in those sports. They just did it because they started it in football to have these rules analysts, and they brought them in for television purposes. You don't need rules analysts in basketball, baseball. It's pretty self-explanatory. Everybody complains about officiating or umpiring. They always do. But it's easy to understand. The NFL, you actually need these guys. You need these guys to explain what the hell is going on, what the hell they're doing because the league is over-legislated. And then you get to the point of a taunting foul. And I get why everybody's upset. I'm not upset at the, the the referees because that's what they're told to do, and they're doing their job. Is it a stupid penalty? Yes. Is it a bad call? It's a horrific call in that type of situation. But it's not the call; it's the rule. It's the rule.
2: And your, your problem—that's where you get the over legislation. Your problem is with the league, not with the individual yes. who who dropped a piece of laundry on the field. And yes, I thought it was a horrific call last night. Leonard Fournette caused the contact. He got up and he bumped into Genard Avery. The only thing Genard Avery did was stare at him. Uh, you
3: know, the the second guy always gets caught. That you know how that goes. But um, yeah, you're and right. And I want to put I his head tip... in a little bit. You know, whatever.
2: I want to tip my hat to Leonard Fournette because Lenny, as they called him after the game. Should have gotten an Academy Award for that performance. Mm-hmm. He causes the contract. Then he goes into an act. Man, a Mice and Men it was. It was like a theatrical <laughs> performance. And well, I don't know if that's what made the referee drop the flag. The sell job by Leonard Fournette. Yeah, it's like pro
3: wrestling. You got to sell. You he he sell. really
2: did sell it last night. Or the fact that the league, yeah. when, they, when you hear this, when you see point of reference, and I remember talking about with this with point of emphasis, show, yeah. When it was uh, thrown out the point of emphasis. Oh, you better pay attention because that means they're going to call it. Sometimes mm-hmm. you can almost see that it's a trial balloon, that it's something that they're going to call throughout the preseason and they're going to make everybody aware of it. But then they know that they probably overstepped their boundaries. <laughs> And they're going to skim it out back a little bit yeah. on the regular season. But they want to plant that seed in the teams and the players' heads. We're going to call this this year. no, this point of emphasis one was not something that they threw all over the place in preseason. You said, uh-oh, we better pay attention. No, they just called it when it comes. It doesn't come up all that often. But when you give them the slightest chance to drop the flag, and Gennard Avery did that last night, they're going to do it. And it was a key penalty in the game. If you believe the Eagles were actually in that game, they couldn't afford those 15 yards. It was just stone cold annoying from an Eagle uh, perspective. And let me take one more shot here before we get our first break in here. I, uh, I, I was just so interested in watching the game. And then the game ended and I wanted to watch the end of the Giants and the Dodgers. So I didn't go back and watch it. Oh, I went back this morning. And I have the Eagle game on tape, so I DVR'd it. By the way, it's disappointing somebody had to
3: lose that game between the Dodgers and the Giants. Two Uh, to one, two great teams. what they end up with wins? I want to talk about good sports.
2: 106 and 105.
3: 106, 105, whatever, and they're going two to one. (laughs) I mean, that's amazing. And probably the two best
2: teams. But anyway, I digress. You digress. Um, I'm just going to put you to the test here, Johnny Mac. The interception, non-interception on the Brady pass in the second quarter. I thought it
3: was an interception.
2: It was close. I'm not going to sit here today and go definitively, they messed up the call. I'm not going to sit here today and go, oh, they got it right. No, it but they really called it, was. I agree
3: with you, it was that close, but they called it an interception on the field. So I, I said, I was in the press box, and granted, you know, I we have TVs and I can see, but I can't see it like you're seeing it at home. From what I saw, maybe I was completely wrong. That was a call where I said, well, they're going to stick with what they called on the field. Um, little Tom Brady, maybe, preference in there? I, I don't know. I, I thought... I was 97% sure they were sticking with what they called on the field. And if they said it hit the ground on the field, I thought they would have kept with that. I was uh, interception. I, I, I thought they should have stuck with
2: it. I wasn't near as uh, – uh, you just quoted 97%. If it's 51, then you're supposed to leave it as the call on the field. Um, and I do believe it was at least 51, but I think it was that close. Uh, I, I couldn't get nuts if they overturned it. I well, no, been, I but... just
3: meant not, I don't mean 97% to play, I meant 97% sure. I, I thought they were going to stick with what they said on the field. Gotcha. Um, for yeah. that reason, and I think they should have, I think they should have stuck with what they called on the field. Here's, here's
2: the point I wanted to get with, but you. it was
3: the longest, uh, How
2: long do you actually think it was? They went to commercial break. They don't usually go to commercial break. And I thought, okay, they think this is going to take a while. They're going to come out. The referee is going to be standing right there, ready to announce the call as soon as they come back from a three-minute commercial break, all told from the time the ball did or didn't hit the ground until the referee announced what the call was. How long do you think it took?
3: Well, I just said, I went to bet at about four. I think I would have got to bet at about two if it wasn't for that play. I've, obviously I'm exaggerating, but I can tell you, normally we have a big advantage from that aspect. We can see what's going on on the field. If the offense is staying on, if the defense comes back on. So we tend to know what the call is before the people at home and, Nobody knew for that long period. No, but they they were looking at that thing. And I don't know why. I mean, I, 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 who knows? Again, this league is strange at times. And you start to bring in the conspiracy theories. You know, the reputation of the quarterback, does that play into it? It certainly plays into it when you're calling penalties. Uh, you know, you, you talked about the sell job Lenny Fournette. Uh, did and Tom Brady tried to get Derek Barnett Tom Brady's smart he knows Derek Barnett's reputation he, he was trying to get him going at one point to get a to get a personal foul yep um, those guys are smart and uh, who knows and certainly reputation we know in basketball the so-called Jordan rules uh, superstars do get deference there's no question about it maybe maybe there was a little deference there maybe just maybe.
2: The answer is six minutes and oh, ten seconds.
3: I forgot the question.
2: <laughs> six minutes and ten seconds yeah. from the time the ball at first did or didn't hit the ground until the referee looked into the TV camera and announced the decision was six minutes and ten seconds. I've been watching football a long time, John. We haven't had instant replay they time i'm a dinosaur i go back to when instant replay what is that um so for the entire time instant replay has been in the national football league i've been watching i have never seen a play take six minutes and ten seconds nah. to be decided before and it wasn't that big a play it wasn't like the game was des- it was in the second quarter if you're talking about a pass interference penalty in the end zone, a team down by one score with 40 seconds to go, you better go over that play over and over and over and over and over again and get it right. It was a play in the middle of the second quarter, and it took six <laughs> minutes and 10 seconds yeah. to decide. Right. What the hell's going on, uh, well, I go?
3: I go back to my original point when we are talking about uh, the over-legislation. They know nobody's turning off, so what do they care? They'll take as long as they want because they know you're coming back. You might skip. You might flip over to something else going on, but you're coming back, especially if you're an Eagles fan or a Bucks fan. So they don't care. They just do what they want to do.
2: Uh, and and I'd love to put it all in the referees, but let's be honest. Now, you just give no, me a stat the show started. I need you to uh, quote the stats for our listeners. At one point during the game, the Eagles' best offensive weapon was the referee's flag. Yes. Because they got two very lengthy pass interference penalties. At one point, the Eagles had more yards in pass interference yeah, when, penalties when, than they
3: when did Jail, When Jalen Rager got the second pass, remember, their first two touchdowns, the majority of the yards on both of those drives were Jalen Rager pass interference calls. Um when he got the second one, I think they were at 95 yards. One was 45, one was 50. I could be wrong, but somewhere in that range. Um, they were they were ahead in pass interference yards in total offense. When they scored, they they went over the top. It was actually the play before. Uh, I think they're just over 100. Uh, yeah. It was bad. It, it, it was bad from an offensive. And actually, that was another one of the positives. You know, people focus on the taunting call because it was so big, and it was. Uh, I, it was it's a terrible rule. Um, they also had the unnecessary roughness call. I still don't know what happened. There was no replay. I didn't see it live. I don't know if you saw it uh, early Sanders. in the game, Miles Sanders. Yeah, I got early. no
2: idea. They never showed it. Yeah,
3: now don't know. Don't know what that was. But overall, they only had four penalties for 41 yards. So that was a positive. And, and uh, Tampa Bay had 120 yards of, of penalties. So that was a positive overall in the game. But Jalen Rager, man. All right, yeah, he Torrey Smithed uh, them twice, um, and, and it led to touchdowns. He also dropped two passes, three targets, no reception. I mean, that kid is lost. And by the way, we got to talk about Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz is out of here.
6: I mean, there there
3: were rumors abuzz
2: last night. I heard uh, that uh, was the case. Uh, One quickie before we get our first break in. We're way late to our first break. Um, Yeah, this is going to be a backhanded compliment. The Eagles' defensive secondary is they've got to be near the bottom of the league in, in pass interference yards this year. They they just haven't been called for major like last night. Well, Tampa getting hundred yards. Well, there's a reason for that. It's called cushion. Yeah. They all backpedal, every, except for Avante Maddox. Darius big play slay missed the two interceptions last night. Backs up on every play. Steven Nelson backs up on every play. Harris backs up on every play. I'll give Harris. Well, they're
3: being stuff. told what the, they're they're being they're executing what right. they're being told uh, to
2: do. I'm dropping this in Gannon's lap don't kid yourself um that's their defense yeah let's play zone let's keep everything in front of us yeah mm-hmm. we'll let Tom Brady uh work his way down the field for 275 yard touchdowns one nine play 110 play yeah but they didn't make a big play against us did they if it ends up with seven at the end Jonathan that's not a good job if you make them take their time to go down the field, that's nice. But at some point you have to get a stop. Bending too much ends up in a break. And no. yes, they played way too and much. At, at, too Adam Shepter,
3: who's taking a lot of heat this week, so I'm going to give him a, a shout out here. Uh, he just put this up a little uh, while ago. Last night was the 112th time in Tom Brady's career in which he attempted at least 40 passes in a game. Now, of course, this is the greatest quarterback of all time. Most of us are on that page at this point. The first time, number one, when he's thrown 40 passes, he had a completion percentage over 80%, 81%. First time, Tom Brady's 44 years old, been playing since I believe – they invented the game.
2: Turn First the time,
3: Tom Brady has done it, and it's because of what you said. Too much zone. Too much zone.
2: He's still got the ability to pick apart a soft zone, which is exactly what the Philadelphia Eagles threw out there last night. All right, he's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We just riffed for a half an hour on what the hell happened down at the lake last night. Oh, we'll do it more. Uh, next hour, we got our buddy Martin Frank up. Uh, but Jay Mack and I will come back again and try and put in perspective last night's loss by the Eagles to the Bucks. I don't want to do the look at thing because there's too much to chop up from last night, but just a quick look at Schedule does get a little easier from here. Uh, We don't know what the Raiders are going to be. we got to see the Raiders this week. How much is that Gruden thing actually going to hurt that team? May help that team. Who knows? (laughs) We'll evaluate after the Raiders play this week. And then after that is the god-awful Lions. So if you're looking for a silver lining there, other than the final score, there really wasn't one last night. I think more so it's the schedule does get a little bit easier for the Eagles going forward. He's John McMahon. I'm Jordan McDonald. We are Mac and Mac here on Bird Street 65. Uh, uh-huh. uh, uh,
5: Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
2: The Mac and Mac guys, John McMahon and Judy McDonald. came out cutting it out today on very little sleep as he was down at the link late last night. One of the reasons I'm sure John is something we mentioned just before uh, we went to break. And uh, I got this probably via social media more than anything else um, that the rumors were buzzing pretty good that there is some renewed interest in Zach Ertz around the league. Now, To Ertz's credit, I thought he played a pretty good game last night. He got one of the three Eagle touchdowns. There was one particular pass uh, that Jalen Hurts would love to have back was probably his worst pass of the night, as a matter of fact. Maybe even worse than the interception he threw because Zach Ertz was wide open. He just couldn't get the ball to him. Uh, Ertz played well, and if that's the determining factor as to why Zach Ertz gets traded, all right, so be it because he was numero uno, no Dallas guarded. knew he was going to be the man. Uh, going to finish high on the snap counts. I haven't seen him yet, but I'm sure that he played a ton last night. And he did get the ball thrown his direction as much as anybody on Eagles offense. Uh, what were the rumors? What teams are you hearing? How eminent is it? Will Zach Ertz be on the field the next time the Eagles are?
3: Um, well, number one, Jody, you should... Check out my social media. Come on. I got the snap counts up there. Boom. I got it. So he played, he played, uh, I'm trying to pull it up, uh, blah, 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 um, 46, uh, 52 snaps. So 88%, obviously we expected, uh, he was pretty much going to be a full-time player without Dallas Goddard. That turned out to be, uh, the case. I do think he played pretty well. Now, we've been through this before. He was very emotional coming off the field. So it seemed like um, he had gotten some information. Who knows? I know people around the league do not expect him to be with this team next week, never mind by November 2nd. So um, this is, even though they were big before, um, this they seem to be growing to the point where Certainly by November 2nd, you don't expect Zach Ertz to be on this team, and maybe not even by next week. Uh, the two teams being focused on Arizona and Buffalo, I would think Arizona would be number one for a number of reasons. Uh, they have nothing at the position. Uh, they think they're a contender. They probably are a contender. Um, he loves it out there. That's where he was in the offseason, working out, trying to rehab with, with his wife. Julie. They were both injured at the same time. They were living in Jordan Hicks' house. And by the way, it's the second part of this. I think the Eagles might be trying to bring Jordan Hicks back. Wouldn't that be interesting? Player for player trade. They need they need help in linebacker. They need help in linebacker in the worst worst possible way. So I do think Arizona is the most likely candidate. With Buffalo uh, being second. Uh, but I, I do not expect Sackers to be here again, certainly by November 2nd. And if you, if you force me to pick it, I say
2: he's not even here for, for next week. Next week, which will be very interesting. Um, I'll tell you that I'm playing a little devil's advocate here, that I'm I'm not making this argument from strength myself. Uh, But I did just mention right before we went to break that the next two games on the Eagles schedule, in my estimation, are really potentially winnable. At Las Vegas next week, we don't even know what to break. We can postulate an opinion right now that the team is in an uproar because of what happened to Gruden. A lot of nice things being said about the guy who's stepping in as an interim. And I give the Raiders some credit for this. Because Basaccia, and I apologize if I mispronounce his last name, has been at Gruden's right hand side for a decade, plus, goes all the way back to, to Tampa, their uh, relationship. And they made him the assist uh, they made him the full-time coach when they could have gone with a couple of guys who have actually been head coaches, in the national football league before we we're on that step. And this guy has never done it before, which tells me that number one, they're picking a guy that they just think is best suited for the job. Good for them. They didn't just go with the, well, we got to give the guy the job to, to a guy who's already had it before. And number two, they're holding just Gruden responsible. No one is being told they're guilty by association because they're tight with Gruden. Cause it was, it was all him. He made yeah. these statements, nobody else. So I give the Raiders that much credit, but even doing so, we got no idea how they're going to play, how it's going to affect them on the field when they get on the field, which means in nine days, uh, the Eagles could actually go out to Vegas and get a win. And then at the week after that, they play the lions who, yeah, I, I'm, I don't get everybody who's defending the lions and go, Oh, but they hang tough. Oh, but it tears up Dan Campbell after the game. They, yeah,
3: he was crying. They, what they crying after the game? They're yeah,
2: oh, five.
3: Yeah, they stink. Well, I do. They speak
2: yeah. much worse than the Eagles do, for my money. So, before you know it, you're four and four after eight games. If you're going to do that, well, you're in that the means. mix. Are you? Are you actually just giving up on Zach Ertz? Um.
3: I don't think they're giving up on Zach Ertz. It's just the realization that uh, they can, you know, they're at that point. This is the game Howie Roseman has been playing uh, from the start. He, he wanted value for Zach Ertz. He's gotten to a point where evidently has a contender willing to probably go ahead of where they would have went before uh, to go get a, a tight end because of need at the present time. Uh, he, he was never going to be back next year, so uh, you're not a contender, I think, from the perspective of it. I hear what you're saying from the schedule getting easier, but I think Dallas has shown enough to let you know that they're not going to be terrible. They're not going to be eight and nine, um, so you're not going to win a bad division. Um, it's about moving forward and and by the way part of it's dallas goddard dallas goddard has not signed an extension one of the reasons he hasn't signed an extension is because he knows how valued he is around this league and his reps have told the eagles look we can get a lot of money elsewhere and we can be a number one tight end well no no caveats no messing around um and the Eagles know they gotta they gotta go in Dallas Goddard's direction, um, so all of that plays into it. Um, and it's you know it, it he's not going to be here long term, so you might as well get something for him. That's where the Eagles are, and that's probably what's going to happen. I don't I don't have a problem with that. As far as yeah, you're right about the schedule lightening up and and, and the Raiders what they've done. You know, what's interesting, that's been kind of a theme when you need an interim coach around the NFL. You go to the special teams coordinator because they're the only other coach that deals with the whole team. Right. Uh, so if it's in season, happened with the Rams a couple years ago, with Basel, um when, when, when Mike Zimmer had an eye problem, the Vikings went with their special teams coordinator. I forget his name. Mike Preeper, I think, was his name. Um it, that's been a theme. I was a little surprised. I thought the Raiders would go Gus Bradley because of the head coaching uh, uh, um, background. But either way, I, I, I don't think it's going to be helpful for the Raiders from a football perspective to have that kind of upheaval in, in season. So certainly going to be an advantage for the Eagles. Uh, but they're not. Dallas is not a bad football team. They might not be as good as some people think they are. But they're a hell of a lot better uh, than an average football team. And that was the hope that this would be a bad division.
2: I, I agree. And uh, I'm thinking more along the lines of wild card, which I might be overly optimistic at this time. But if you get the four and four, then for me, at the midway point of the season, if you're 500, you're in the mix. I'm not saying you're going to win a wild card, but at least you're in the mix. And they'll be less in the mix if they don't have uh, Zach Ertz. Uh, uh, this just dawned on me, and it's one of those out of sight, out of mind things. And you, me asking you the question is probably even unfair. But maybe you know something because I know you were hiring him, and I know I was on him. But you're around the team all the time; I'm not. Any word on Tyree Jackson? No, yeah, they Tyree him-
3: Tyree's—he's uh, been at practice a couple times watching. Um, he looks good. He's he's uh, um, they called it about an eight week injury, so we're getting close. Right. Um, um, yeah, he'll he'll be back in the mix at some point, especially if they trade Zach Ertz. That's he'll why be... I'm
2: asking if they trade Zach Ertz, uh, at some point, if Tyree Jackson is good enough, he's gonna command a, a spot on the active roster. Now he's got to get caught up, he's got to get 100 healthy, but um. This wasn't a he's done for the year type no, injury. No. Um, what it what are the rules on far as far as guys who are on the IR practicing?
3: Um, you you have a twenty-one one day practice window. So when you designate uh, a player to return, um, you have twenty one days to make a decision. Uh so essentially three weeks. You either put them on the fifty three at End of those 21 days, or you got to put them on injured reserve, shut them down for the entire season. Um, so you'll hear when Tyree's ready to practice, you'll hear them designate him for return. He'll they'll have that three week window. Now, sometimes you know, you designate a guy to return, they play that week. Sometimes you use the entire window. In his case, I would say, and people were talking about during training camp because he. Flash so much. He is a developmental prospect. I right. mean, um, he's got a chance to be a really good pass catching tight end probably a year or two down the road. And, and I believe certainly if they trade Zach Ertz, and I expect them to trade Zach Ertz, um, I believe he'll be on the roster when he's healthy. I believe he'll get to play a little bit, um, I wouldn't expect gangbusters or anything. He's still, he's still learning in that position.
2: Right, I understand that. All right, two other things that caught my attention. You say stay on top of your social media. Oh, I saw you put it out last night right as soon as the point was flipped that the Eagles had won the toss and they decided to defer.
3: Yeah, how'd that and work out for them?
2: You and I talked about this yesterday. You know I said... Have some nerve here, Nick. Uh, you, you're trying to make a name for yourself as an NFL head coach. You're taking some criticism, rightfully, deserving criticism. Uh, but you want to make a name for yourself. Do something a little different. Do something a little unexpected. <clears throat> yeah. You you do have to realize, even though you don't want to admit it, Johnny Mac, Jody Mac will say it for you. You went in outmanned last night. They have a better team than you do. All you have to do is check. Last year's standings, Super Bowl champion, Eagles four and eleven. This year's standings, they're five and four and one, you're two and four. Uh, yeah, you gotta do something to shake it up a little bit. How about you win the coin toss and say, We believe in our offense. We're gonna be able to move the ball. Let us take the ball first. Nope. Win the toss, defer, down the field, seventy five yards, touchdown, Tampa Bay.
3: Yeah, gotcha. I don't I don't get these teams, Jody. I've been talking about this for years and I'm glad you brought it up look there are teams you got to be honest with yourself we talked about self-scouting all right we have the hindsight now I got the game book right here Jody we have the hindsight now um time of possession 39 56 to 20 oh four. please round off for me 40 to 20. yes thank you 40 to 20. I told you about the tackles. So the plays, the total plays, uh, offensively, uh, seventy-five for Tampa Bay, fifty-two uh, for the Eagles. I talked about what do you want to do in this game. You want to shorten the game. You want to keep the football away. You did the exact opposite. You got the ball. Fo- you put the football right in Tom Brady's hands, and it started from minute one. You're behind the eight ball. Yep. I don't get these coaches who can't be honest with themselves. Look, I'm with you. In a normal week, if you're playing Detroit, if you're playing Las Vegas, I want to defer. I want to try to do the sandwich the half thing. Yep. I want to score at the end of this, the, the, the first half. I'm going to get the ball in the second half and try for that one-two punch. If it works, it it's brilliant. That's really when you take the the heart of a team away, but you got to be honest with yourself. And now we have it. We have the hindsight. They should have took the football, Jody, if only to even out a little bit of that time of possession and you get that first drive. Now, hopefully, you don't go through it at three and out. But, I mean, the Eagles' first drive was actually okay. Now, most of it was the pass interference, but – They went down and scored, uh, and then they sputtered from there. I just – I don't get it. I don't get why more teams don't do it, especially when you're playing good teams. And for the Eagles, that meant uh, they should have done it. And I don't remember the coin toss. I'm not saying they didn't do it. Uh, But Dallas, Kansas City, when you're completely outmanned in Tampa Bay, that's what you do. If you win the coin toss, take the stinking football.
2: It's what the analytics say to do, John. The analytics say always defer so that you might get that extra possession of the game. Yep. If yep. if both teams have I three possessions in the first half, you get the first one in the second half. And it just so happens that the second half, uh, it comes down to a seven possession rather than a six possession half. You get an extra possession. And any way you analytically slice it, it's always better to have one yeah. more possession than a team than one less possession than a team. So I get it. I understand all the analytics, but that's in a vacuum. And the game isn't played in a yeah. vacuum. So you have to be able to factor in other forces and the mismatch of rosters, as both you and I brought up, is something that absolutely should be added in. And they didn't last night, which is was a mistake. Well, that's my problem.
3: Right. And, you know... If people look at old guys like us, Jody, and, and say, well, you won't open your mind to the analyst. I love analyst guys. I have Ryan Paganetti on the show. I listen to Matt Manicharian. We have on the show. Love these guys. I listen to everything. And, and so many people, you see them on social media more than anything. I'm not talking about those guys. Those guys know I'm open-minded. I'll, I'll listen. Um, but at the end of the day, to the to the hard headed analytics people on on social media, look, everything about analytics is about uh, large sample sizes, and it it but but everything in football on a particular day is a small sample size. You got to factor in what's going on on that particular day. That's when feel comes into it. I'll give you a perfect example. I would have taken the ball. I also would have went for it on fourth and ten. I know they're probably not going to get it late in the game when they're down two touchdowns and they had the fourth and ten and all the analytics. Well, no, you can't go it on fourth and ten. Oh, guess what? I'm going for it. The odds of converting that are better than stopping Tom Brady again and again and again as the team as the game moves forward. I I would have went for it. They went for the field goal. Ball don't lie. Jake Elliott missed it. That's telling you you should have went for it. Um, so it works both ways. And I think, I think there's not, you know, you can't just boil everything down to one number and say, this is right on a particular Sunday. If that were the Detroit lines. Yeah. You're probably right. The Burr kick the field goal. If that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, no, take the football, go for it on fourth and 10.
2: Then let me, let me get your thought on this one. Cause I was, seriously debating it uh, at the time. They had played better defensively in the second half. They came up with the big stop when they needed it on fourth down, which kind of did reopen the door to maybe even steal the victory against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. After you scored a touchdown. Love it. After you rightfully gutsy go for the two point conversion. And now a touchdown and a PAT wins it for you you got a decision to make. And I know what the numbers are. I know what the percentages are. You can always go at an onside kick. And we've actually seen a couple onside kicks work this year. Teams have recovered onside kick. I actually believe the percentage is up slightly from what it was last year. It's, more difficult than it's ever been before. You're only allowed X amount of guys on one side of the field. Used to be able to line up nine guys. Let the other team know which direction you're kicking it in. Didn't matter because you were kicking it that way because you had nine sides, nine guys on that side of the football. Uh, they legislated that out of the National Football League too. So it's that much more difficult to get an yeah. onside kick. Should they have gone on side there rather than just give it to Brady and say, well, we're going to ho- ho- believe that our defense is going to turn him over again and we're going to get the ball back. Or we're going to be able to go down. Yeah, I probably would have yeah, gone onside. I,
3: there. I, I, thought you were talking about the two-point conversion, which I love. No, that right? was
2: that. That yeah. was a given. That that was a yeah. good call. That was easy as far as I yeah. was concerned. But
3: I, I, I would, I, the, I the... the onside kick decision, I, I would not typically onside kick it because it's just ridiculous the, the odds and the, what they've done again with the over legislation. That's that's one where you go back a week to Carolina with the block punt. If you see something. And you know, Tampa Bay's not paying attention, and they think you're kicking it off, and you think you have a chance to sneak one in there and surprise them. Then I might talk about it. Like in the week prior, I was talking about TGA Edwards, and Sean Bradley came to Michael Clay and said, Look, we're getting this look, they're showing this, we can have this blitz, we can get this punt, and they did it. If they saw Tampa Bay slumping off, just assuming, because remember. And last night was one of those games. It was touchback, touchback, touchback. Nobody was returning kicks. Everybody gets um, sort of slumping their shoulders. It's not really a play anymore because they've legislated that out of the game as well. If you can catch them and they're not ready for it and you see something, that's okay. But if you're going analytically, no. Never go for the onside kick because it's never going to work unless it's an absolute last-minute Total desperate situation.
2: Right. But how'd the uh, kick at the Brady and see so even get the ball backwards? Yeah. Yeah. Well,
3: but the odds are slightly better analytically.
2: Right. But which is more frustrating? And I know you should never coach as to avoid the more frustrating situation. Yeah. But I want well, to give myself you know, a chance.
3: Maybe go. And up there's a that... chance
2: that you get no chance then give the ball a, back to Tom Brady.
3: Maybe be a head coach and go up to the defensive coordinator and say, hey, let's stop the zone. Let's go after him. Let's do something. Let's do something different. I don't know. There's a lot of different ways you can go. But odds wise, it's much more likely. You could have a tip football. Um, you can have Somebody getting through with a quick rush. You can, yeah, a bunch of things can happen on defense that even though it turned out in a negative fashion, it's going to give you better odds than, um, you know, winning the lottery, which is basically akin to getting an onside kick in this league.
2: He is John McMahon. I am Jody McDonald. We are the Mackinac guys here on Birds 365. Uh, Martin Frank is going to join us coming up at. 25 minutes from now, somewhere thereabouts. Uh, We'll get his take on last night's Eagles loss down at the uh, link. Uh, Another point I want to bring up, John, when we come back, something that I actually did like last night, something that I said before the game, something I was rooting for and hoping for. It didn't quite pan out. So both Nick Sirianni and I got to go, at least we tried, right? Um, Pace, the, the pick up the Pace. Do want to get into that with John coming up next: Jordan McDonald, John McMullen, MAGA MacBirds 365.
5: Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hit. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
2: down, out of play on a day after Eagles lost football Friday. Yeah, kind of sucks. Sorry, Eagle fans. A better team came to town, and uh, I do want to get into the whole uh, hurry up offense thing that they ran last night, which I was hoping they did. Didn't quite get the results I was looking for, but at least I like the fact that they did. Um, here's something that I was planning on talking with you at the top of the show, John, but like often, you and I just start talking and we get off on tangents, which is great too. Um, here's the bottom line from last night's game, since we're at the start of hour number two.
0: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click com, or
1: just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. The Bucks are
2: just a better team. Yes. Let, let's let's do this methodically and by the book. Who's got the better quarterback? Not close. Who had the better running game? Well, the Eagles didn't run the ball. They never run the ball until the last five minutes to go in the game. So, no no great shock there that Leonard Ford had a better game than Miles Sanders. And don't give me – oh, Miles was great late.
4: Mm-hmm. In,
2: in the last five minutes, really nice that you, you, you finally get to run the ball. Um, Who had the better offensive line? Wasn't close last night. Tampa, the much superior offensive line. Who's got the better wide receivers? Not even close. No. A, a domination of a matchup. Zach Ertz played well, and he may be an ex-Eagle before the week is out. We acknowledge that. They had not one but two guys making plays at the tight end position, and they didn't have the guy. named. Don't give me, yeah, but we didn't have Goddard. Well, they didn't have Gronk.
3: Yeah. How stinking deep are they at tight end? My Lord. Yeah.
2: Exactly. So when you compare the two rosters offensively, not close. Let's flip it over to the defensive side. Um, how many sacks did the Eagles get last night on Brady? Do you know, up to well, I, yeah, you, uh, you know, that's
3: that uh, you, you know, Tom Brady's not taking sacks, so that part is baked in. I don't have an issue with that, but yeah, I hear, yeah. I mean, it's two nothing. Uh, um, it should have been eight nothing, <laughs> as I said. Tampa should have had about eight sacks, but I, I hear, but yeah, Tom Brady, I will just say that's a week you go in expecting. You're not going to have a lot of sacks. You're
2: not going to get a lot of sacks. But um, part of the fact that the Eagles get run on, on a weekly basis, even last week, and it helped that Christian McCaffrey wasn't in there, Cuba Hubbard, Cuba Hubbard did rush for 100 yards. So the Eagles played probably their best defensive game, certainly since the first week of the season, with their best defensive game. And they still gave up 100 yards rushing. And last night Leonard Fournette was the best running back on the field. The whole Leonard can't catch the ball thing. Yeah. They got he thrown it thrown to him six times and he caught every single one of them.
3: Yeah, that was a big surprise, but yeah, what can he do?
2: You don't want to begin to compare the linebackers, even missing one of their better linebackers, Levante David, last night. You don't want to compare the Eagle linebackers to the buck linebackers, do you? No. no. Come on. So the only thing I will say, and it's because the Bucs are pretty damn beat up, the only position on the field that the Eagles may be comparable to Tampa Bay is in their secondary. The corners and the safeties. Comparable. You even want to give the Eagles a slight well, advantage only, there. only
3: only comparable because they're down two starting corners. Right. And Richard Sherman got hurt early in the game, and they still couldn't throw the ball. That's the most disappointing part to me of this whole game, Jody. If you want to boil it down, Um, 32nd-ranked pass defense in the NFL. Dead last, Tampa Bay. Now, a lot of that is because teams are always behind against them. A lot of that is because um, you can't run the football, which we talked about traditionally against them, and you saw Vita Bay and some of the things that he can do. Um, Man, they couldn't – Jacoby Brissett threw for, I don't know, I think it was 270 uh, against this team. And and Jalen Hurts is at 115. 115? 115! Now, uh, you know, Devontae Smith didn't have a big game. Okay, obviously. Devontae Smith, by the way, for the first time, also one of the positives. Uh, ran a rub route perfectly because they let Devontae Smith do it and not uh, Greg Ward or J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. And all of a sudden, the touchdown turns into a touchdown to Zach Ertz because Devontae Smith does it correctly. Now, I know this is a rookie player. I know I'm putting a lot on this plate. But you remember, Jody, you go back when we were talking about the Eagles drafting him and people are talking about Justin Jefferson's year and 1,400 yards. I'm saying it's got nothing to do with Devontae Smith, but Devontae Smith can't, even with an extra game, get near those numbers because this will not be a high-volume passing team. This will not be a high-volume. Bo- they can't get him the football. And this is why I go back to the beginning when we went off on my tangent. You can kill the head coach all you want. I'm going quarterback before I'm going head coach. They can't get the football to receivers in a traditional fashion. Now, if you want to kill Jalen Rager, kill Jalen Rager. He stinks. If you want to kill Quez Watkins for not helping Jalen Hurts on that deep throw, kill Quez Watkins. Devontae Smith can play, and they can't get him the football.
2: Here's to our cut. Jalen Rago a little bit more slack. Now this is truly, as John likes to call it, inside baseball, breaking down the numbers to the next gen stats. One hundred and fifteen yards passing in the NFL is awful. awful. that's that's completely
7: against hideous. the
2: worst pass However,
3: against.
5: However, against. Yeah, however,
7: however,
3: however, <laughs> but can I say before you get to your however, Jody? That's awful against the number one ranked pass defense. Add in. I just want to add in. That's the number 32 pass defense. Now I want to hear your however. Here's the however.
2: How many yards penalties on Tampa Bay last night? Uh 140,
3: 95 on uh right. 95 on pass interference. On pass interference yeah, but those are ticky tack. I mean, well, when but you but can but play... but hold
2: on here's where you got to cut Jalen some slack. That's 95 yards he couldn't get. When you take that off his potential plate and it's not yards gained through the air, it's penalty yards, well, then he can't get them. If it drops as an incomplete and on the next play, he gets a 20-yard completion, well, then he gets 20 yards. But on those two penalties, that ju- those yards potentially to him just disappear. You get this every once. Now, usually you don't get two pass interference penalties for 90-some-odd yards in a game. That's an anomaly. That doesn't happen often. But that's how you end up getting 115 yards passing because the Eagles got those yards. You tackle no, those yards. the yards, on. yards are important, yards. Jody.
3: The yards are important. And I got to watch the game again. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of flying blind. blind. Uh, but watching live, I didn't get the feeling that those two passes had a chance to be completed. It was just awful play, awful technique by the Tampa Bay corners. So there's where I go. If you have a good corner on the outside, if you don't have a backup, that it's exact. Now, if it were going to be a completed pass, if it were a legitimate penalty in the fact that I'm not saying they shouldn't have called him, I'm saying, they committed the penalty to stop the completion, I would agree with you. These were not well-thrown balls to a receiver with a chance I would to say, catch the
2: ball. I, I do remember both plays. I would say one was absolutely catchable, that the the penalty kept the player from, and you never know, because you know can drop the ball. I, you. You, you I trust your I trust you your. You can judgment. catch it, but you don't catch it. One was absolutely catchable. The other one was, yeah, probably a real bad defensive yeah. decision. To, I got the uh, feeling the both
3: were panic sort of situations with a young quarterback who started getting handsy way before he needed to. But I, again, I'll I'll defer to you because it's tough seeing it live. I didn't get the feeling they were well thrown balls watching them live, and and that you know that's meaningful to me. That's meaningful context. The, the, the guy had a poor passing game, just a poor, poor, you know, you brought up the worst pass, which I agree with you down the field to Zach Ertz. It was oh. just mail past him. You know, a worst pass was his one handed catch uh, when they were doing that little wh- I mean, he was two yards away from him, exaggerating a little bit. And it's so widely in- inaccurate. Zach Ertz has got to catch it with one hand. Right. I, I, I mean, 115 yards. Add in the 95, if you want, against the worst a uh, 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 pass defense in an era where it's so easy to throw the football. Jacoby Brissett's throwing the football. It's got to get
2: better. Got to get better. It was not a good game. It's a you're talking pass foul It's a, uh, a tremendous fail by uh, Jalen Hurts, but. He had a lot of help from his coach, although the coach did do something. And again, maybe this is part of the problem that the coach is just giving a guy who is only in his 10th ever NFL start a little bit too much autonomy. That's my problem. The whole RPO thing, you know, I've been ranting on the RPOs for a couple of weeks now. The fact that um, his explanation of, well, you know, run pass actually counts as a run. No, (laughs) if it's run pass and you pass, it's a pass. It's not, doesn't go down in the run category. I'm sorry, coach. It doesn't work that way. And you're putting a lot on the plate of the the quarterback going into last night had less than 10 starts to make that decision as to whether it is a run or a pass. So you are putting to, and I know that you want to play to his strength. Part of the run-pass option is that if the pass isn't there, he ends up running. Then it does become a run play, and it goes down as a run play. You're making him make all those decisions, which is probably putting too much on his plate. And last night, I wanted to put even more on his plate because I wanted to see him play with pace a little bit. I wanted to see him go no huddle because I, I think it's a weapon. I think anytime I, I you can keep the well. other team from substituting and getting specific guys on the field, you want to do that. But when you do that, you're putting that much more of an onus on the quarterback. And it, I, I was excited to see it last night. Between you and I, it didn't really accomplish anything. It didn't. There were no plays where I said, "Ah, see, they caught him napping. Ah, they got the better of it because Tampa wasn't ready. They couldn't substitute. That's why it didn't work." I don't know that any of that happened last night because I don't know that Jalen Hurts is the guy to take advantage of that at this stage in his career.
3: And and by the way, you can go back to Nick Bowles and and, uh, the Super Bowl season and next time we have Ryan Paganetti on the show, we can ask him this and Because I know at the time the Eagles were talking about, that's when they first put the RPOs into this offense. Now it's a different offense with a different coach. But that's when they started. And they did it for this reason, Jody, specifically, to simplify things for Nick Foles, who was a veteran quarterback. When you run an RPO offense, because I've heard this, and I'm I'm not attacking you, but people are saying they're putting too much on Jalen Hurts' plate. It's the exact opposite. They're making things as simple as humanly possible.
2: How is that po- how is that possible? If you're making him make the decision on whether to hand the ball off or keep it himself, because he's, how is he's that told, making it more simplistic? Because he's told to read one player. And
3: depending on what that player does, he makes the decision. It's actually an easy decision. Now it's not easy for me. It's not easy for you, but for an athlete, for Tom Brady's got the tough job when you, when you got to process the whole field and when he got to go from progression to progression, to progression RPO offense, college offense, why people use that derisive term at times. It's because it's simple. You know, it's not Bill Walsh's offense. It's not a West coast offense with the 75 calls and the checks and the and the 500 pages in the Cheesecake Factory menu. It's simple. It's designed to be simple. You're scaling things back. We're going back to Chip Kelly when everyone said, oh, Chip Kelly's says innovative. No, it was very simple what he was trying to do. Um, What they're trying to do now is very, very simple when you compare it to other NFL traditional offenses where a lot of is placed on the quarterback's plate
2: i i it, it's a simple offense All right, and you like to say this and i'm kind of in place with you here on this one do you really want this to be your offense no that's what this comes down to if you're telling me it's simplistic i think it's i i know it's just one read but then if you don't get it right you're screwed so I'd rather have more options to give a guy a chance to but do something else. More options
3: is more complicated. Complicated, more yes, is... but
2: maybe if you've got more options, you got more of a chance to get it right. Mm-hmm. You might have more of a chance to get it wrong too, but you might have more of a chance to get it right. I I don't want to live. It's time to call office.
3: our friend from uh, uh, formerly from Delaware. He's not in Delaware anymore, but he's waiting to come on the show, Martin Frank. So. We got to get to the break. Maybe it's time to call for Joe Flacco
2: well, if you not. want to see options. Let's let's not get out of uh, control. <laughs> All right. To you, John McCallum. I'm Jody McDonald. We are the Mac Mac guys on Bird Street 65. Martin Frank is next. <laughs>
5: Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
2: We are the Mack and Mack guys here on Birds 365. We are joined by one of our compatriots, one of our buddies, one of the guys we enjoyed talking to greatly. John just said he's not a Delaware guy anymore. I right, maybe he moved over to Borderline a little bit, but he's still writing for all You're the Delawareans writing, yeah. these days. Yeah, Martin Frank joins us here on Birds 365. How are you, Martin?
4: Good. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Seems I good. like
3: that energy, Martin. Thanks for getting up early uh with us. Gave you the extra hour uh, uh sleep. Sure. All right, where do we start? Uh the choke tag is on this game. What it, what was your your first framework? Do you get to the offense first? Do you get to the defense? I can't get to the defense, which was bad. The time of possession, the constant zone coverage. But the offense was so bad, I can't even get to the defense.
4: (laughs) Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, you got to start there. It just things just like they just don't know what they're doing. They they can't decide if they want to be like you know a regular type of offense. If they want to do the RPOs, and when they do the RPOs, I mean, everybody knows it's coming. So you know, a team like the Buccaneers, they can adapt. They can figure out a way to stop it. And, and forced Jalen Hurts to, like, be a pocket passer and beat him that way. And, you know, he couldn't do it. So, you know, that's how you end up with, with a 28-7 to deficit in the third quarter. And, you know, you score a couple of late touchdowns, make the game look closer than it was. Martin,
2: I I gave Nick Sirianni credit for going for it on a two-point conversion. I said it was just an easy call, the right call. I thought it was a little nervy as a whole bunch of coaches that – Say, we just got to get, and then we got to get within a touchdown. We got to play for overtime. If you don't, then you got to get it the second time. I thought there was some guts there. Not, oh oh my God, can't believe he tried that. Now, if he'd gone onside kick afterwards, I would have said that would have been real gutsy, but he didn't. He went for the two point conversion. My social media last night, because I gave him credit for it, a mixed bag of, yes, good job by Sirianni. No, it was an easy call. What the hell are you talking about? and My personal favorite, he was going for the cover so that the Eagle fans <laughs> wouldn't be annoyed
4: with him that he got it down uh, to six when the spread was six and a half. Uh, what would you uh, take on the two point conversion? I think, like, when you're down 14, like a lot of teams are doing that late in the game no. now, and I don't necessarily agree with it. I like when you're playing at home, like, you know, the Eagles are playing at home, they're down 14. You know, if you go for the tie, you know, you're at home in overtime. I mean, granted, you have to make sure you get the ball or at least they don't score. You know, if the Bucks get the ball, they don't score a touchdown on the first possession because then you never touch the ball. But, you know, a lot of teams are doing that. It's kind of like with the analytics. Team. Yeah, like, you know, if you get to within six, um, then you win. You win the game the next time you score a touchdown, provide you kick the extra point. And, and if you don't get it, you're still down by eight. You're still within a score. Yeah. And you have to get the two-point conversion. And
3: by the way, Doug Peterson created that. Doug was the first to do it. Ryan Paganetti, uh, friend of the show, he yeah. was the one who advocated that. Now it's kind of, I'm not going to say it's second nature, but as you mentioned, a lot of teams do that now. And it puts tremendous pressure on the team in the lead the problem is the team in the lead had Tom Brady. Tom Brady doesn't care about pressure. So yeah, they went great. right down the field, and they could have scored again, but they didn't punch yeah. it in.
4: Yeah, what uh, the uh, betters should have been, really. I'm yeah,
3: exactly. The, 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 I mean, the only like... the only people upset were the betters. So let's talk about that defense. Adam Schefter is taking some hits this week, so I'm going to give him some positive. He <laughs> tweeted out this. 112 times, Martin. Tom Brady has thrown forty or more times in his NFL career, which it began. I think you know his social security number is in Roman numerals, so let's just say he's been around for a while. Um, first time he's ever thrown forty passes had a completion percentage of over eighty yeah. percent. Too much zone. What? What? what, what is? It, it, am I overreacting? Is this team, what, what, they just sit back and it's death by a thousand cuts.
4: Yeah, that's, that's their M.O. It seems like, you know, if you're going to beat the Eagles, you're going to have to go on a 12 play, 13 play type of drive Mm -hmm. up like five or six minutes. Cause their, their logic is, you know, the more plays you have, the more chances you have to make a mistake. Now, we kind of saw that uh, on Sunday against the Panthers. I mean, you know, Sam Darnold threw three interceptions, but, I mean, the Panthers were moving the ball. It's not like the Eagles were stopping them. And then, you know, all of a sudden he throws an interception. The Eagles have the ball back. They go down and score. They come back from a 12-point deficit. Well, Tom Brady is not going to make a mistake. I mean, the Buccaneers' offense is is just too good. So it's kind of like pick your poison. You know, do you want to go single high safety um, and then, you know, have Brady beat you over the top with Antonio Brown, with, with Mike Evans, or, you know, cut you underneath with Chris Godwin. I mean, there's so many ways they could beat you going that route. So I think they just decided, you know, the best, the best thing to do is, is try to get, you know, try to hope that Tom Brady makes a mistake or maybe Leonard Fournette fumbles the ball or something like that. create a turnover that way. And, you know. Brady's is much less likely likely to make that kind of mistake than a guy like Sam Darnold was last week, and you know that's how the Eagles lose. I mean, you know the uh, the Buccaneers had the ball for what forty minutes, just about forty minutes, yeah, yep, just uh, under. Yeah.
2: Martin, I I saw that I saw this on your social media, and I want to follow up with it because I think it's a good point. Eagles' defensive line last night, supposed to be a rotation. Everybody in the the NFL rotates their defensive linemen. I think that's overstated and maybe overdone, but it does stand out when it happens. And Eagles kept their four starters on the field for a big percentage of the game. Are they that good? Do they have that little faith in their backups? Why do you think all of the Eagles' defensive linemen were on the field for basically 80% of the time or more?
4: Well, I think what, what you're also seeing is how much they miss Brandon Graham because they did have more of a rotation when Graham was in there because then, you know, you have Josh Sweat and Derek Barnett kind of going back and forth and everything like that. But, I mean, it's just there's just a big drop-off between those four guys. And I'm talking about Sweat, Barnett, um, Fletcher, Clark, Cox, and – Javon Hargrave to the other four guys you know Milton Williams has been kind of overmatched as a rookie Teron Jackson got in for a few snaps I mean he's he's overmatched Hassan Ridgeway doesn't really do a whole lot Ryan Kerrigan's been kind of a disappointment I think he only played like 21 percent or something like that I mean I don't even think he has a tackle yet this year um so just- oh, he got one he got one oh, in God. carolina
3: he had that tackle for a loss I'm remember he stop yeah. the game.
4: And- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know there's just such a huge drop off from the top four guys to you know the guys who would be quote-unquote rotating in that you know you just can't use them i mean the only time you can use them is when yeah. butcher cox is about to pass out or You know, needs a break here and there, Um, you know, same with the other guys. I mean, Javon Hargrave came out for a few snaps because I think he got hurt, but he was back in there. I mean, you know, there there just isn't much depth back there anymore, you know, after Brandon Graham got hurt and was lost for the season. And that's just how it is. I mean, you want to have depth, but then when you have to use depth, then you don't have the depth anymore, (laughs)
3: Well, I don't know how much you've checked social media today, Martin, but a lot of Nick Siriani criticism coming in hot and heavy. I I, I want to get your take on on the chicken and the egg of the coach and the quarterback and who's the bigger problem, what's going on. I think it's, you know, it's fair to say it's a little bit of both, column A, column B, but by I force you to pick who's the bigger issue, the rookie head coach or the young quarterback, which way are you going on this overreaction Friday?
4: Well, I mean, it definitely is both, but I think you have to include a, a third factor, and that's kind of up above Nick Siriani. I mean if this was so outrageous, you know, the way the Eagles are playing and, you know, not using Miles Sanders and everything, like wouldn't Jeffrey Lurie at this point say, hey, what the hell, you know, give the ball to Sanders 20 times and, you know, or you're fired. I mean, you know, that's not happening, obviously. So obviously, you know, Jeffrey Lurie, Harry Roseman, those are the guys who are kind of maybe saying, you know, we're not going to use a running back. You know, we want the, the offense flowing through Jalen Hurts. And if Jalen Hurts isn't good enough, then we're going to draft a quarterback, you know, in the top five next spring. I mean, but this is what they want to find out. I mean, this is what they talk about is modern football. It's not, it's not running the ball. It's not using, you know, Miles Sanders 25, 30 times a game. Like, you know, the old Houston Oilers used to do with Earl Campbell. It's, you know, we're going to put it on a quarterback and he has to be the one that kind of dictates how the offense goes. And so, to answer your question, I mean, you know, yes, Sirianni is, you know, his play calls are kind of curious, obviously. And and Jalen Hurts isn't your typical pocket passer who can't kind of like overcome the fact, you know, once once defenses are figured out to stop to stop him in in the RPOs. I mean, he's not good enough yet to show that he can beat them as a pocket passer, but. I mean, this is all part of the Eagles finding out what they have in in a quarterback and whether they need to get another one. And I think that all comes from up top, to be honest with you. Martin, two-part question for you. Number one,
2: how much effort do you think the Eagles are going to put into winning next week against the Las Vegas Raiders?
4: Uh, I think they're going to put a lot of effort into it. (laughs) I mean, you know, it's, what are they, 2-4 and four right now? You, you beat the Raiders, you're 3-4. and four, um, And then your schedule gets, like, a lot easier the rest of the way. I mean, you got the Giants twice. You got Washington twice. Um, you know, the Saints aren't very good. Um, you know, they're up and down, I guess. Uh, the Chargers are good. But, you know, there's still a chance to get to, like, 8 or 9 wins. If you get to 8 or 9 wins, maybe you have a chance at a playoff spot. I mean, I think Dallas is going to run away with the division and everything. But, I mean, you know, getting that third wild card is now the question. So, so yeah, I think they're going to put a lot of effort into beating the Raiders.
2: Glad to hear that. Um, then if that's the case, how do you even consider trading Zach Ertz this week? Because you are a better team with Zach Ertz than without Zach Ertz. If you're going to just trade him for a draft pick, which isn't going to help you win any games this year. I can guarantee you that. Bold prediction by Jody McDonald. Any draft picks acquired this year will not help win games in 2021. Uh, and number two, if that's the case, you're trying to win. After last night's poor performance by the Eagles offensive line, that was pretty damn bad. Jalen Hurts almost, he, he could have sued for non-support. I thought he was going to be sacked about eight or nine times. He only got two. It could have been a hell of a lot worse. Would you move my of back to left tackle? Put Driscoll back out at right guard. Get Dillard off the field. Put Herbig in. I think that's your best offensive line alignment. They wanted to get one more look at Dillard. One okay week, one really bad week. Okay, I've seen enough. Time to move on. If your main focus is to try and win next week against the Raiders, I'm getting my lot of back-to-left tackle where he belongs. How about you?
4: Um, I can say I would say you can do all of that and still try to win I mean you could trade Zach Ertz get a draft pick for next year and still try to make a push for the playoffs I mean if Dallas Goddard is your tight end for the future then you got to let Dallas Goddard play and show that he is the, the tight end for the future and as far as the offensive line I mean Dillard was a number one pick um you got to find out if he's the guy I mean technically yes this is his third season but he only played four games as a rookie he didn't play at all last year so you know the jury is still kind of out on him and and you want to find out if he's your guy if he's not you know you eventually you move Maylotta back you know as soon as Lane Johnson's back you move Maylotta back to left tackle and and (laughs) Dillard's on the bench anyway but I mean as long as Lane Johnson is out then, you know, why not find out if Andre Dillard should play? I mean, he's got more
3: of a <laughs> that look on, on Jody's face. He's got look more of a potential
4: future than than someone like Nate Herbig. You know what Nate Herbig is. He's, he's yeah. a backup guard. I mean, if he's in, then obviously you're your starter.
2: No, and- oh, see, now I'm going to get mad at Martin the same way I got mad at John. <laughs> the most important thing was the question I asked you Will they give their best effort to win next week's game? Not find out for the future, not accumulate draft assets, put the best team on the field that gives them the best chance to win the game next week.
5: Yeah, Zach Ertz has
2: got to be in the lineup, and Andre Dillard needs to be out of it. If you're trying they, your best to win that Andre game, Diller's that's better. what you must do at
4: both of those positions. See, I, I would say yeah. that they're better with Andre Dillard and Jordan Maylada at the tackles than they are with Jordan Maylada and Jack Driscoll at the tackles. I disagree. Uh-huh. Right. Well,
3: yeah, they, they like Andre. They don't want Nate Herbig on the field. They do everything possible to keep Nate Herbig. I don't necessarily think that's fair because I think Nate Herbig played pretty well. But from their perspective, they're trying to win the game by putting Andre Dillard out there, George life They're trying to get the best five on the field. That's what they think their best five is. But I want your prediction. Yeah, but Martin. one
2: of their best five, sorry to interrupt you, John, one of their best five is playing woefully out of position. Jordan Mylata has not been good though. at right tackle. Two weeks running, he's been playing that position. He has not been good. We know what he is at left tackle. We're seeing what he is at right tackle. You're playing him out there. Driscoll was better the one week he played right tackle than Mylata either of the two last weeks.
3: Yeah, I'm not going to agree with you there. I mean, I think Jordan's fine at right tackle. He admitted he's got to get used to some of the body mechanics,
5: yeah. and it's
3: a, it's a work in progress. But he's played right tackle before. He's good at right tackle. Nothing against Jack Driscoll. Dick Sirianni loves Jack Driscoll. But I mean, Jack Driscoll is a Jordan Milada, even and, in, and even Dr. at right tackle.
4: At right tackle, he is as a guard than Nate Herbig is. I mean, I I, I don't think yeah. Jack Driscoll played that badly. I mean, I think I think they like him better than Nate Herbig at guard. And I think ideally, what you would want. Is you would want Andre Diller to be good enough where he could go over to the right side and play yeah. and leave the yeah. left tackle. Ideally,
3: what you want is Lane Johnson at right tackle it Jordan is- my lot left tackle. Exactly. Ideally. But I do want your prediction. I want to shift to Zach Ertz because we've been through this before, Martin. Yeah. It seems like a rerun to me. Uh it's supposed to be the new TV season. We were talking about new shows. I need to watch some new shows. I'm way behind on my Netflix queue. Too much going on with the NFL, but we've seen this with Zach Ertz. We've seen the emotion, and it certainly seemed as he was walking on the field, the Eagles vice president of security, Dom DeSandro, little tears, certainly Jake Lasers reporting, maybe Arizona, maybe Buffalo. Is Zach Ertz going to be here next week, never mind by November 2nd? Next week, I mean Sunday, uh, next game against the Raiders.
4: I mean, I think he is. Uh, it's just, you know, if, if Howie was looking for the right offer for Zach Ertz, I mean, it would have come by now. And you know,
5: if if you're gonna like,
4: if if he's still on the team after the trade deadline, I think they're willing to let him go as a free agent. I mean, I, I just. I just think that at this point, unless the team's making them a crazy offer, and maybe that's going to happen. I mean, you know, you're getting halfway to the season. You're getting to the point where teams are desperate if they need a tight end and stuff like that. But, you know, the fact that it hasn't happened already, I'm kind of leaning against the fact that Don traded. I mean, I just think that he brings too much to the organization. (laughs) He's, what, like 15 catches away from breaking the all-time record? Yeah, that's
3: tough, man. I uh, I was hoping he would get that record, but uh, I don't know he's, if he's going to get there.
4: Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying they're not going to trade him so he can get the record, but I mean, well. I just think that if 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 there was an offer good enough for him, um, I think he would have been traded by now, and, and maybe that'll change, but I just don't see it happening. I don't think teams really, you know, if you're a playoff team and you're like, oh, Zach Ertz is going to get us over the top, I'm not sure that's kind of the case. I mean, he hasn't done a whole lot so far this year. Um, I just think the teams aren't really going to risk a third-round pick or a second-round pick and, you know, go for him at the trade deadline. But I could be wrong. All
2: right, Martin, this question for you. Or, John, uh, J.M., hop in and uh, answer it as well if if you so desire. If it's Zach Ertz... For the former linebacker, Mr. Hicks, coming back to Philadelphia, who's got the tougher transition? Where do you have a better chance of jumping in and helping the team immediately, trying to get Ertz into that Cardinal offense on the fly, or Hicks coming back? It's nice that he played here once before, but they're playing a completely different defense than when he was last year. Who's got the tougher transition trying to jump into his new team and give him a big hand right away?
4: Um, I think Zach Ertz would have a pretty easy transition going to Arizona. I mean, with, with Kyler Murray and everything like that. I mean, they've got a pretty loaded offense and everything. And they got a coach who, um, you know, he likes to throw the ball around. He likes to spread it out. And stuff. I think he would, I think after like a week or two, he would be able to find a, a niche. I don't think Jordan Hicks is, is the answer at linebacker for what the Eagles are looking to do there. I mean, they want Eagles want guys like Davion Taylor who can who can run all over the field. I mean, they just want Davion Taylor to be smarter, better, um, and and understand you know how to play. But I mean, those are the kind of linebackers they want. They want like the hybrid safety type of guys who can cover, who can tackle, and everything like that. So Davion Taylor is more their type of linebacker than someone like Jordan Hicks. I mean, I don't, I don't see that working really well if Hicks were to come back I mean I don't see him being like an every down type of guy I just don't see how that would that would benefit the Eagles I mean it it wouldn't be a long-term move that's for sure I don't think Jordan Hicks would be you know the middle linebacker for the next three or four years I just I don't think he's much better than what they have to be honest with you and I know what they have isn't great but I think they really want Davion Taylor to kind of grow into that role be the you know, be the kind of guy who can do everything at linebacker. And he still has a lot to learn, obviously, but he has the talent. He has the speed to do it.
3: Well, let's talk about Davion Taylor, Martin, because he's getting on the field a little bit more. Yesterday, it was 49% of the defensive snaps. Let's just play this guy 100%, man. It's better than what is out there. I think Alex Singleton is okay, but too many issues as far as uh, athleticism and what you just talked about, sort of that hybrid, what they want. Uh, Jenard Avery played a lot yesterday. They, they played okay except for the taunting foul. Um, Eric Wilson has essentially been benched. Um, when do just go pull the trigger? See what you have in Davion Taylor.
4: Yeah, I think they're definitely headed in that, that direction. I mean, the thing you got to remember with Davion Taylor is he missed most of the training camp because he had yeah. the injury, the calf injury, and I think it lingered into the season. But I think, I think that's what their plan was. I mean, from from the get go, is they wanted to play Davion Taylor more, and and I see, you know, obviously what you're seeing from Eric Wilson hasn't been that great. Um, so I think as the season goes along that's exactly what's going to happen. I mean, Davion Taylor's going to get more and more playing time, and he's going to have to learn on the fly. I mean, you know, there were things that Tom Brady did last night that kind of exposed him, too. Yeah. You know, and he'll take advantage of that until Davion Taylor figures that out. But, you know, he's got the speed. I mean, that, that kind of makes up for some of his shortcomings. He just has to get the experience, and I think he's going to get it. All right,
2: Martin, I need to tack your memory a little bit here. I'm just moving it back 12, 14 hours, whatever it was. Um, on the Tom Brady pass that was or wasn't intercepted, I went to my DVR six minutes and 10 seconds from the time <laughs> the ball hit the ground until the referee looked in the camera and said, uh, an incomplete pass on the play. What did you do during those six minutes and 10 seconds? <laughs> I feel badly now because I could have gotten in 20 push-ups. 30 sit-ups, maybe cooked a hot dog. Six minutes and 10 seconds to decide that play. What did Martin Frank do during
4: that time? Yeah. Uh, I'd like to say I took a nap, but uh, I don't know. I kind of looked at replay for a bunch of times. I mean, I think when you look at the replay, I could be wrong about this, but I think it was based on, like, as soon as the play happened, like – like the very initial thing, I, like the ball uh-huh. hit the ground before, you know, he actually got his hands around it. Uh, I don't know. I could could be wrong about that, but I don't, I don't understand. I mean, that was kind of ridiculous. If anything takes that long, you should keep the play the way it is as, as called and should have been an interception. But, you know, maybe it's because it's Tom Brady. I don't know. Yeah. yeah,
3: I said that myself, uh, Martin. Maybe a little reputation pal. And uh, I to before I get you out of here, I want to encourage everybody to read Martin at Delawareonline.com. Uh, read his Eagles coverage. Uh, some of the best uh, covering this beat. I do want to I want to end on Jalen Rager because in some ways he was the most important part of this offense. Uh, yesterday with his two pass interference calls. Torrey Smith-like calls down the field, which resulted in two touchdowns. On the other hand, he's a receiver. He gets thrown out three times. He doesn't catch the football. He drops two. Is it time to just admit uh, it's not going to work with Jalen Rager, Or is there still going to be some great turnaround in the near future?
2: Uh, i think martin martin's uh uh, unfortunately his mic is shot uh martin we're gonna let you run uh because uh we're having some technical issues uh which is unfortunate because we love talking to martin but if you can't hear what he's saying then you can't hear what he's saying all right he's john mcmahon i'm jody mcdonald we still got 15 minutes left come on back we'll put a bow on the show a nice big bow off a less-than-stellar effort by the Eagles and their loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Coming back to wrap up the show here on Birds 365. Mac and Mac guys, final segment on a football Friday. A failure football Friday because the Eagles failed to win last night at home. John didn't think they were going to win before the game was played. I didn't think they were going to win before. Our boy uh, uh, Eddie Kratz was on with us yesterday, and he picked the Bucks to win by two touchdowns. So the fact that the Eagles didn't win the game should be mm, a, well. I don't even want to use the word annoying. Should be should have been expected. They're a better team, and not every time in the National Football League does a team with the more talent and a better roster or in the better position or the better coach or the better quarterback they don't win every game. But they win their fair fair share percentage of games, and that was surely the case last night. Uh, so the Eagles hung in. The final score made it look closer than the actual play on the field was. John and I both used the word dominant at the top of the show. It was a dominant performance by Tampa yesterday, uh, and the Eagles kind of gritted it out to stay as close for as long as they did. But then again, if the Bucs wanted to score late, they probably could have. They could have won by nine. They could have won by 13 if they wanted to. I had
3: 34-22, Jody. I was hoping for that uh, touchdown missed extra point.
2: yeah, right on. I would have
3: been right there.
2: Right on the number. Uh, yeah. It would have been impressive. John, one thing we didn't sink our teeth into, maybe we'll do more of it tomorrow, but we still got 10 minutes here to go today, so why not? Um, Jordan Mailata, after the game, said that early on, it looked like the Bucks knew what was coming and that the Eagles didn't adjust fast enough. And when they adjusted, they didn't execute the changes, which is kind of damning on both the coaching staff and the players. Didn't adapt fast enough and didn't execute fast enough. He kind of took a shot at everybody, which is the kind of guy that Jordan Mailata is. He's not going to throw one person under the bus. He's going to throw all the people under the bus and even himself under the bus, which means it better be a pretty big bus. If it's going to go over Jordan (laughs) Mailata, um, do you like that candidness from a player when he points the finger at both the coaching staff and the players? Cause he did that with that one simple quote of saying, it seemed like the bucks knew what we were doing and we were a little slow to adapt and then slow to execute. I, I, I'm personally a fan of when the players acknowledge the fact that they weren't good enough. Were you?
3: Yeah, I always loved when players were honest. Rodney McLeod was very honest, gave pretty much a deep dive into the third and seven that sealed the game with Antonio Brown. But Nick Sirianni was obvious, uh, was was uh, honest in saying that the adjustments came too slow as well. Um, they came too slow in Carolina, uh, to be honest, but they were able to overcome them because of. Some other things, the block punt, the big field goal, the defense playing well, uh, they were able to overcome. Um, but here's the, here's my problem, my bigger problem. There were no adjustments. They're just executing. They're running RPOs. They're running the same stuff. They got Miles Sanders loose. They were RPOs. The Miles Sanders runs, they were RPOs. Um. <laughs> So where's the adjustment when when Jordan says Tampa Bay knows what's coming? Well, Jody McDonald and John McMullen know what's coming. It's a bunch of bubble screens, RPOs, uh, slip screens, uh, uh, regular screens, swing passes. That's what's coming. I, I you know I I don't. Sometimes I think players, coaches as well, because I'll throw Nick in there. And, and Nick pointed out that the the Miles Sanders runs, that was, those were RPOs too. Um, uh, you know, I think they say things to acquiesce. Uh, I don't want to say the, the, the fan base, however you want to shake it, but, you know, talking about adjustments, they ran their offense. They ran their offense early. They ran their offense late. It was a little bit better late. You know, Bruce Arians. Was very honest and um, they let up as typical teams do when they have leads in this league and they made a mistake. I'm trying to bring up Bruce Arian's quote because uh, he 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 was you know really honest. They here it is, they popped a couple runs late when we were playing past defense, just him, and he's talking about. Uh, Jalen Hurts, just him traveling, him getting out uh, uh, of the pocket, improvising. I like the way we handled all the design plays. Those improvised plays are, are tough. Those are the ones that are tough against the Eagles offense. The foundational stuff, this goes back to what I was saying at the beginning of the show. The foundational stuff that you count on, that you build an offense on, ain't there. The only thing that works is the improv improvisational stuff, which is great when it works, but you can't build an offense on that. You can't build an offense on that. If we talked about the offensive line, the pressure, how many sacks the the Bucks could have had if Jalen Hurts didn't have that escapability. Jody, if they continue to play that aggressive in the fourth quarter, they 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 took their foot off the gas defensively. They started going back into the zone looks, and that's when the Eagles had a little bit of success. If they kept up with that aggressiveness, it probably would have been the same result. It probably would have been the same ugly, uh, ugly, ugly play for for sixty minutes instead of having a couple nice uh, drives.
2: You and I have uh, gone back and forth about this a couple times today. Uh, We certainly put Nick Sirianni and uh, Jalen Hurts at the top of our didn't get it done last night list from their loss to Buccaneers. Rightfully so. The question is, is it Sirianni one and Hurts two or Hurts one and Sirianni two? You're leaning toward quarterback first, coach second. I'm leaning toward coach first, quarterback second. I know at least one guy who was on the same page with me because I did flip over and watch a little bit of the post-game show. Ray Dinger, who is very respected in this town, been doing it forever, Hall of Fame writer, actually called Nick Sirianni dumb last night. Called the wow. Eagles, Eagles offense dumb. Seth Joyner called the Eagle offense a high school offense. He said, it's not even nah. a collegiate offense. It's it is a, a college high offense. offense. I disagree with it. It is a college offense. But I, I hear. I, he, he, went, he went all the way back to high school. He said college offenses are a little too uh difficult for the Eagles to run. Um it, it's it's both. I know we're splitting airs here and we're getting into kind of a well, these guys situation.
3: are frustrated. No offense. Seth loves this team, understandably so. Um, Ray loves this team, understandably so. I do not love this team. I, I don't dislike this team. I pride myself on my objectivity. I don't care if they win. I don't care if they lose. I do think people get too emotional at times. Nick Sirianni knows what he's doing. I think he he. There's a lot of things I've criticized him for. I I think you know he creates these Seth Joiner moments with his high school. Mentality and put, you know, high school Harry, blah blah blah. Always talks about his his brother uh, coaching on the college level. His dad, you know, he comes across with the t-shirt slogans. This is high school stuff. This is college stuff. He brings on this stuff himself. He's trying to protect the quarterback. The quarterback can't run a traditional offense. It drives me crazy when people say, "Run what Tom Brady does." It would be uglier. It would be uglier if that's possible. I know I can't prove it. I can't prove it, but if you ask Jalen Hurts, if you just parachute him in to the Tampa Bay offense, oh, oh, would that be a disaster? I think yeah. the answer. I think the answer here is. I think. People are getting the answer, they just don't want to admit it to
2: themselves. John, I think you're right. We're back to the 50 51 percent. Oh, you're in the 50 percent, you're in the 60 percent, you might be in the 70 percent. I don't know that it's 95 percent. I, I want to see. All right, that, that's fair, that's fair because he, he hasn't run this type of an offense. Oh, by the way, he did a little bit last year. The Peterson offense wasn't the RPO offense. Um, So he had very good games and very poor games last year. If we have come to the determination, and I don't know that the Eagles have, but they should, that this type of offense is not good and isn't going to work and is a long-term mistake, correct it now. And let's find out if Jalen Hurts running Tampa's offense, take Tampa's offense, lock, stock, and barrel, which we could have Antonio Brown and <laughs> Mike Evans and all those yeah. guys. Uh, yeah. But you can't. But go ahead, put them in it. Let's find out. Since we're going to trade Zach Hurts is, anyway and is, not really put our best effort to win games this year. Let's go ahead. Let's get into the, the, the uh, under the microscope and find out if he can or can't play, not speculate. And you're going to have a really good feeling about it. And you're probably right. But let's find out. Let's actually put him in it and do away with the RPOs. That's
3: fair. I've, and uh, that is completely fair. And I've argued that I i said, if you remember early in the season, when they weren't throwing the football over the middle of the field at all, I said, you got to take the shrink wrap off. you got to figure out what you have with this quarterback. I'm just saying I, I would love to see it as well because I think I've been proven right. Um, I think he's trying to protect the quarterback. I think that's not in his mindset, and I can't blame that on a coach. I, I, I will never blame a coach for trying to, as I always say, accentuate the strengths of a player. I think that's what Nick Sirianni is trying to do. It's not being successful. I don't know if this type of offense without um, other aspects added in, uh, watch Lamar Jackson, watch Kyler Murray, uh, who do a lot of RPO stuff, but do so much other. They need to get to that point. Um, and, and maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe I talk about throwing – players like Davion Taylor into the deep end of the pool. Maybe it's time to throw Jalen Hurts into the deep end of the pool. Sink yeah. or swim?
2: I would be good with that because then you would at least have a better grasp on where the future of this team is. I'm kind of torn at two and four. Do I think the Cowboys are going to win this division? Yeah. If The only way the Cowboys don't win the division is if Dak Prescott goes down again, which is a possibility. Uh, so you have to keep that in mind, but as of right now, they look much the best in this division. You got two winnable games the next two weeks. You lose those two, you're two and six. Forget about it. Just yeah. go ahead. Yeah. Pack it yeah. in. It's all over. You're not winning the division. You're not making a wild card. Feel free to uh, throw everybody out there for a test drive. There's no sense in ooh, this gives us the slightest chance to win. Ooh, we got to do what's best for the quarterback and give them. No. Just make it a test run for the rest of the year. But I can't go there yet at 2-4 and four with the Raiders and the Lions as the next two games. I, I still got to try and win games during the next two weeks, but that's just me. Oh, uh, Johnny Mack, that's all we're going to talk about for the next two weeks. Are the birds still in it? Are we kidding ourselves? Are we delusional? Should they just go ahead and trade? to Jeff- Gardner Minshew next week. Let's go. Let's see if Gardner can play. Huh? I'm
3: surprised we, we got a little Gardner stuff on social media I got sent to me. That's going to start as well if they keep losing games. Um if you get to Gardner Minshew territory, things are not going well.
2: Well, it didn't go well last night, but we come here. Whether they go well or go uh, poorly, we're here for you each and every single day. After the fact, before the fact, leading up to the fact, the facts are the birds. This is birds 365, and we will be here for you. Right back at it on Monday. JM, have a good weekend, buddy. Boy, I'm excited
3: for the weekend, Jody. Going to watch a little uh, James Bond on Saturday. Going to watch some football on Sunday, and I don't have to worry about stressing over covering a game. Finally, uh, no, no, can down. enjoy it, although I don't enjoy NFL football anymore because they ruined the sport, but I'm getting off on another tangent.
2: Mr. Over-Legislation, yes. John McMullen. Uh, partner, I'll see you back here on Monday. Have a good weekend. Thank you, Jody. You too. Good weekend to all of you Birds fans out there. Be back here with us on Monday on Birds 365.
7: If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob
2: Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and
0: Spotify. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early,